In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, good morning, everyone. Well, it looks like spring has finally arrived. I see that things are starting to bloom and come back to life. I see the pear trees are starting to bloom. The only bad part about this also is so are the weeds. <laughs> but I find it, it interesting how some weeds are a nuisance to, to some people, but it's a thing of beauty to others. Luther Burbank of England took an interesting interest in the common field daisy. It was an outcast weed despised by farmers. But he crossed it with a Japanese daisy and an English daisy and produced the Shasta daisy, a flower whose beauty, beautiful bloom has grown as much as two feet in diameter and will last up to six weeks when it's cut. Burbank went on to transform other despised and worthless plants into plants of beauty and usefulness. He said, it is my theory that there are no outcasts in nature. Everything has a use. Everything in nature is beautiful if we are eager to ennoble it. Every weed is a, possi is a possible beautiful flower. His theory has been demonstrated as a fact in many cases. A group of women in Pasadena years ago inaugurated the first weed show in history. It was an instant hit. People were astonished at the beauty of weeds. And the word weed implies ugliness, uselessness. But as someone once said, beauty is where you find it. Another example of a weed that's become a popular flower is a Queen Anne's Lace, a common weed in New England but in California, it's raised as a choice flower. The Kansas gay feather, which is a mere weed in the Midwest, is a garden flower in New England. So you see the same thing that is both ugly and beautiful, depending on your perspective and from where you see it. And this can be said about the cross also. Now, in the days of Jesus in Rome, in the Roman times, the cross was a symbol of punishment. It was a symbol of shame because the Romans used it as a method of capital punishment. It was used to deter others from committing crimes. The death on the cross <clears throat> was a slow, excruciating death, and it was intended to be gruesome and humiliating in a very public event. And you can see there's nothing pretty about this kind of punishment or the symbol of the cross at that time. The, pu the punishment of the crucifix was so horrific that Cicero, the Roman, said, the cross speaks of that which is so shameful, so horrible, that it should not be mentioned in polite society. It was so horrible to die on the cross that no Roman citizen was allowed to be crucified, no matter what they were guilty of. This fate was reserved for only the worst kinds of killers, renegades, and robbers. And scripture even speaks of it where it says, cursed is every man who is hanged on a tree. But you see, Jesus knew what was to come and what kind of death he would endure on the cross. And we see in verse 27 where he cries out, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but this purpose I have come to this hour. Now John describes Jesus' trouble at this point and does not go into his agony in Gethsemane. Despite his troubled soul, 
as Matthew describes it, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Jesus knew the pain that was going to come, the suffering and the agony, agonizing death he would soon face. And I think we can all agree, if we were to face what Jesus was about to face, we would be downright terrified also. I know I wouldn't want to suffer that kind of death or the way he suffered. But despite knowing all this that he was to face, he remained obedient to what God had called him to do. In Philippians 2.8, Paul describes it this way. In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of his obedience and his work on the cross, Jesus triumphed over Satan and death. The triumph is manifested in redemption and justification, reconciliation and salvation. In addition, we as believers get to experience the love of God and the joy that comes from being in an intimate relationship with him. An 18th century German theologian, Johann Bengel, put it this way when referring to Jesus and the cross. Here, meaning the cross, there met the horror of death and the passion of obedience. God's will meant the cross in Jesus' head to nerve himself to accept it. And by his obedience, he turned the ugliness of cross, the cross into a sign of hope, a sign of our redemption. But none of that would have been possible without Jesus being obedient. Which leads me to my first question. Are we being obedient to what God's calling us to do? And this obedience can be a difficult thing to discern sometimes. We have our flesh pulling us in one direction and God's will in another. Sometimes being obedient to God's will and following what God is calling us to do can be very scary. It may take us places we would never imagine or into situations we cannot even fathom or fully understand at the time. But that does not mean we should not let our fear get the best of us. William Barclay describes courage as real courage does not mean being afraid. It means being terribly afraid, yet doing the thing that ought to be done. That was the courage of Jesus. Now this sounds easier said than done or put into practice, but we, and we can truly cannot do it in our own strength. But Bishop Reed encouraged us last week that we can do all things through Christ. And because of Jesus' obedience, we have peace in knowing God's love and his grace. That does not mean that things will always be easy. And we may even face some persecution because of that faith. Challenge, uh, we may have challenges when we are being obedient to God's will. There's plans for us. Matthew Henry summed it up wonderfully when he said... Christ was now troubled, now in sorrow, now in fear, now for a season. But it would not be so always. It would not be so long. The same is the comfort of Christians in their troubles. They are but for a moment and will be turned into joy. So despite all the trials and troubles that we have, this present season that we may be in, joy will come because of Jesus. And when we remain obedient to God's will, then we will also glorify God. <clears throat> In John's gospel, the key to everything he's saying 
or he often refers to as the glory of the Father. And we see it in this way in which Jesus was totally committed to doing whatever was necessary to bring that glory about. And that leads me to my second question. Are we totally committed to glorifying God? Are we glorifying God in every aspect of our lives? Not just when we are in church or around other members from the church, but when we are out in the world. What about in the workplace? This is one place where it seems very challenging these days to try and glorify God. But it can be done. The way we treat other, our co-workers, do we treat them with respect? Or do we talk poorly to them or about them? Do we criticize them if they make a mistake in a presentation or some work that they do? do we tr- or do we try to encourage them and build them up? Or do we make jokes or criticize them? Do we listen to them or are we quick to cut them off? Now, I know we all have worked with some difficult people at one point and another. And I'm guessing most of the adults here probably have someone in mind already who they've been had to work with. But even in those relationships, we can still glorify God by the way we treat them and talk to them, despite how difficult they are. And despite how challenging it can be, we can still bring glory to God. Because we are called to love them despite their difficulties. You see, how we act and treat them may cause them to change how they treat people. Or maybe just give them a glimpse of the love of Jesus. And maybe they'll start to rethink how they treat people. Now I'm going to go into one area that may be challenging for a lot of people. And that's social media. I know it's easy to write a snarky uh, post or response to somebody or post a complaint about something or someone or you just go on a rant for whatever reason. And sometimes we post things before we actually stop to think about it. And society as a whole has also become very quick to criticize and judge others, especially on social media, especially without thinking. I'm not just talking about things that we write about or a meme that we may post. But it's also about posts that we may see in other people's feed that we may like. I know we all scroll through the feeds and we hit the little heart button or the little thumbs up button or whatever it is on whatever platform you're on. But the question is, is that post glorifying God? So during these last couple weeks of Lent, take some time for some self-reflection to reflect on the way we act the things we post, or other, any other aspect of our lives. Can we say that we are bringing glory to God in every aspect of our lives? Just think about it. If we took just a few seconds before we posted something or said something to somebody and asked ourselves one simple question, will this glorify God? Now just imagine how different the world would be if everyone stopped and asked themselves that question before they posted or said or did something. And I know we've all been tempted to do things that will not bring glory to God. It's just part of the world. But we have an example to follow on how to act and what to say. St. Augustine put it this way, Here he has taught you what to think, what to say, on whom to call, in whom to hope. 
he has also taught you to prefer his certain and divine will before your own weak human will. You see, Jesus has given us that perfect example. And when we are tempted, we can call on him. We can lean into his strength in those moments. Because every day, the devil's going to be out there, and he's going to be trying to tempt us and draw us away from God. And before Jesus died on the cross, the devil possessed the human race, and he ruled the hearts of unbelievers and enticed those who, whom he deceived and held captive to forsake the creator and worship the, creator, uh, the creature. But praise be to God, we have been delivered from that dominion of the devil by faith in Christ. We are strengthened by his death and resurrection, by his blood, which was shed for the remissions of our sins. We are united to the body of Christ. We are made alive as faithful members under his great head by his spirit. What a wonderful thing he has done. Jesus took the ugliness of the cross and turned it into a thing of beauty and a symbol of hope. And through his obedience and work on the cross, we have hope and we have been saved from the sting of death. So as we get closer to Easter and the joy of celebrating our risen Lord, take time each day for a little self-reflection and see if there are areas in our life that we are truly not being obedient to God's will. Is it because it is uncomfortable, challenging, or goes against what the world is doing, or just plain scary? But remember, he is always with, with you in those situations, and you can lean into him, trust in God. And when we're obedient and do that which he has called us to do, we will glorify the Lord. So to God be the glory, now and forever. Amen.